Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for this worship experience. I want to tell you about a season in life that was really, really challenging for me and my family. A few years ago, I was having to address a really difficult staffing situation that no pastor ever really wants to address, but sometimes you're just in a situation where you have to address it, and those things are hard. At the same time, and I couldn't just plan this timing, but at the same time, I had a family situation take place that was extremely difficult for our entire family. And we had to dive in and walk through that with our family member. Um, and we did so, and God met us in that space, but it was really difficult. I would call that a perfect storm in life where just multiple things converged together and made life really hard. A fellow staff person saw what I was going through and even though I tried to gut my way through that season, he could see Jack's having a tough time. He introduced me to Dr. John Townsend and some of his writings and programs that he offers. So I dove into that world, and I will tell you that God met me in that place and provided two major things for me. One was resilience, and the other was strength. And God knows I really needed resilience then, and I need it today, but I also needed strength then, and I still need that today as well, as you and I both do. God met me in that space and provided those things. Well, I'm honored this weekend to tell you that Dr. John Townsend is going to be speaking to us. And it's my prayer that as he speaks, that you and I will just understand more of what it means to connect with God during tough times and what it means to connect with people during tough times. Because these are tough times. Take the corona season, the school dilemmas and openings that we're trying to walk through and decide, along with furloughs, economy, job loss, other things. This is one of those perfect storms, and we need to hear from God, and we need to be connected to people. So I think you're going to really enjoy what you hear today, and my prayer is that you take some next steps to connect to God and to connect to people through what Dr. Townsend has to say. So with that said, here is Dr. John Townsend. Hi, everybody at Chase Oaks. So glad to be here. Love being here with you guys. And I have always loved Dallas and all my years living in Dallas. So I'm looking forward to connecting with you today. Let's talk today about what the essentials of what we need in life are in order to do well and take care of our families and ourselves and our jobs and all that. The three things that always come to mind when people that I'm working with bring this out is energy and positivity and resilience. We all need energy and we all need positivity and resilience. Now think about energy first. Um, how many of you have too much energy right now and you're just thinking, gosh, I've got so much energy, John, and uh, I, I'm just busting out there. Well, probably you are a little over energetic because really there's only one group that I know of that really has too much energy. And it's a demographic group called three-year-olds. They do have too much energy. Naps, 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 naps. The rest of us we need a little more energy. We also need positivity. We need a positive attitude to get through challenges in life, to get through struggles, to be able to meet goals. And we also need resilience for those times when we take a step back or we have a loss or a setback or a hiccup and how to pick ourselves up and continue where we're going. Well, you know, God is the God who gives us those things. He is the God of providing everything we need. He's the God of providing energy and positivity and resilience. And he gives them to us in so many ways. He provides them for us with, uh, with his word and also with the power of his Holy Spirit and also with how much he loves us and all the guidance he gives us. Now, 
There's also another source of energy and positivity and resilience that God provides. And sometimes it doesn't get spoken of that much. And it's what I would call the horizontal aspect of energy and positivity and resilience that you hear in the Bible all over the place. But sometimes you don't hear it just from life. All the things I mentioned earlier were what I call the vertical aspects, reaching out to the Lord and prayer and the Bible and the Holy Spirit. But the horizontal is people, us. That's why the key verse here that I have down here in your handout is from 1 Peter 4.10, one of my favorite passages. It says that each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, we are also the stewards, the, the delivery system of the grace of God. And I want to talk about that and how important that is that we do that with each other, get those from each other and give those to each other. Now, this is not only in the Bible. It's in lots and lots of places. Uh, I study neuroscience quite a bit. And the reason I love neuroscience, which is the science of the mind, is because every robust study that comes from the neuroscience will affirm that the Bible had it right the first time. All the studies about relationships, all the studies about faith, the studies about challenges, the studies about family, the studies about meeting goals and and growth, they all affirm that God had it right in his word the very first time. It's as if there's this great painting, and finally you see the author of the painting gets his name on it because the Bible has all this in it. So there's this great, great, great support of what the Bible says from the neuroscience. God finally gets the credit. And what that says, the science says, is that without healthy and supportive relationships, which we're going to talk about, we don't do as well in our careers. We have more health issues. We have more emotional struggles and actually a higher mortality rate. So this isn't some kind of kumbaya, this would be nice thing. This is hard science and it's hard data. And it's Bible too. Genesis chapter 2. It's not good that we that we are alone. God said when he had Adam without Eve, he had all of God. He had all of God. But it said it's not good that you're alone. That wasn't about marriage, by the way, in the Hebrew. That was just about relationship. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Woe to you when you fall down. There's not another to lift you up. We need each other to lift each other up. Matthew 26, Jesus is on the mountain. He's sweating great great drops of blood. And here he is communing with the Father. He has all of the vertical. And he turns around and he says to three people, Peter, James, and John, sit with me. I'm really distressed. Even Jesus needed the horizontal. 2 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about his trials and tribulations. And he says that when God, who comforts the distressed, sent Titus to comfort me, God right then didn't send an angel, which he does sometimes. And he didn't send a Bible passage, which he does sometimes. And he didn't send a a voice. He does sometimes. He sent a person horizontally then to comfort Paul. And then the passage I talked about, that's our key passage today, that we are, we're sort of the gas station for each other. My sort of conclusions, I'm working with people all these years, leaders, parents, family members, uh, pastors, has been that we are woefully inadequate. We're all kind of in the red. We're in the red about getting these needs met. And God has a different solution for this. I'm taking this material from my new book, People Fuel. And it kind of, we're the gas station. See over here? Well, you don't want to be in the red. You want to be over in the F where it's it's green, right? That's what we're going to be talking about. 
is how do you get out of the out of the red and the deficit into getting your tank full and fu filling up the tank of other people as well. Um, what I'm doing is I'll be presenting to you the concept of relational nutrients. Now let me explain what relational nutrients are. Um, you know, we all have bionutrients. We all are into that these days. Uh, you want to make sure you've got enough calcium and enough <clears throat> iron and you've got enough uh, other kind of things just to stay healthy. We all take our supplements. We're trying to eat right these days. And, you know, bad things happen if you don't have the right nutrients. If you don't have enough iron, you can have anemia. If you don't have enough calcium, you can have uh, osteoporosis and these sorts of things. So you want to make sure that you've got enough of these things and you don't have a deficit in the bionutrients. Well, the concept I came up with of relational nutrients is very similar, is that we have things that we give to each other to keep us healthy and functioning and energetic and positive and resilient, but they don't come through a pill. They don't come through a supplement we take. They come from my brain to your brain and your brain to my brain via conversations. It could be a face-to-face -face conversation. It could be a digital conversation. It could be a phone call. It could be a text. But there's ways that we give what we need to give to others and that we get it back from them that builds us up with energy and positivity and resilience. And so the concept of, bio, of relational nutrients is sort of what I wanted to, to, to drill down with us today and give you some practical helps on it. There's 22 of them that I've discovered. And 22 is a big number. That would be a really long sermon. I, you won't, I want you guys to go have lunch. So... I've got them categorized into four quadrants, four areas, and all they're all five or six into one of those four. Because if you can take away that there are four areas and there's one of those that really means something to you, it's been a good day, you're going to get something done. So um, the first quadrant is being present, being present with each other. We need to be there for each other. They need to be, and, and we had to have them be there for us. Now, what is being present? Well, Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. The idea here is that we are to communicate that we are for each other, but with few words. To be for with each other with few words. Just to communicate, I'm with you here, and I'm, I, feel, I feel your pain here, and, and I'm, I'm your friend, and I want to be here, but I'm not going to like give you a whole bunch of words of wisdom right now. I'm just going to be present. You probably know some people in your lives that are very present, and some people that have a hard time being present. i got a story about that. Um, uh, when our children were small, we would have these other families that we would do things with because everybody got along and, you know, the parents love each other and the kids love each other. So you go on trips and vacation. There was this, there was this one family we just loved being with. <clears throat> we were on vacation with them. And, um, during the vacation, one of the, um, the, the young girls came up to me. She wasn't a young girl by this point time. She was in college and she said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. So she get, we get alone. And we're, I think we're walking around the backyard, and she says, um, I'm having a hard time. And I said, well, tell me about it. She said, well, I'm, I'm in college, and um, I'm graduating in a few months with a communications major, and I have no job and no prospects. And if you're in communications, you know it's been hard to get jobs with that kind of major. I said, I'm so sorry. That's, that's really a difficulty. She goes, well, that's not all. And I said, what else? She said, well, also, um, Spencer and I broke up. And I went, no, don't tell me. And we love Spencer. We had dinner with him. He was the greatest guy. We thought he was God's guy for you. She goes, I don't want to go into it, but it's over. It's really over. And I'm, I'm kind of a mess. I'm, my heart's sort of broken. I said, I'm so sorry. That's two strikes. 
She said, there's another one. I said, well, tell me, I, that's a lot. She goes, I'm not sure I believe in God anymore. And I went, my heart just sank. And I said, I'm so sorry. She'd grown up in a Christian home, went to a good church. I said, tell me about it. She said, well, I'm in a, I'm in a university with 40,000 other students, and we have all these late-night talks and taking these religion courses. And I'm beginning to wonder if my faith has just kind of been scotch-taped on my head by my parents because I love them, but I really haven't thought through if it's my faith or not. If I really believe it or I just love them, it's, I don't know. So I don't know if I believe. And I thought, um, she's she's in trouble, I love her. And I just told her, I said, I, I love you. I've known you since you were born. And, and also, I had some empathy for it because I knew somebody in their 20s who had relationship problems and job problems and faith problems. Guess who that was? That was me. So I had a lot of empathy for it. I said, tell me what I can do. I'll do anything. She said, well, fix my mother. And I went, well, that's kind of, how do we get there? I mean, we're talking about faith and jobs and boyfriends. And I didn't get the mother part. She says, well, let me tell you the story. Every time I bring these up to mom, um, and I tell her, you know, I'm in trouble kind of, she'll say, now, honey, won't you listen to me? You're smart. You've got character and you're resilient. So feel better. You're smart. You've got character and resilient. And I said, that's kind of lame. She goes, yeah, it's really lame. I don't listen to her. So I said, okay, I get it. So how about your dad? Oh, no, dad and I talk all the time. Because sometimes it's two parents and sometimes it's one parent. This time, that wasn't a problem. I said, so what do you mean to do? She goes, I don't know, but if you could talk to her, because I'd like to talk to her, but I just can't take these pep talks all the time. I said, sure. So I grabbed mom, different talk. Now we're in the backyard, and I said, your daughter's in trouble. She goes, I know. I know she is. I said, she's got no job prospects. She's got her heart broken. She's not sure about her faith. She goes, I know. It's really bad. It's, I know. And I said, she tries to talk to you. She goes, yeah, I know. I know. And I said, she tells me that you tell her she's smart, and she's got great character, and she's, she's um, you know, resilient. She goes, yeah, I know. And she tells me it's not working. She goes, yeah, it's not working fix my daughter. So now I'm thinking, this is a fun vacation, so I'm supposed to do this. I said, what am I supposed to fix? She goes, well, I mean, God gave me the gift of advice, which, you know, God did give her gifts of encouragement and advice. And she says, and I just, and so I want to give her those nuggets. And, and so can, you're a shrink, right? So can you open up her head and put all my advice, encouragement in there and help me do that and close her head up? That's what you guys do, right? And then she'll feel better. And I went, doesn't really work that way. And she goes, well, how's it supposed to work? And I said, well, look at it this way. Your daughter, in a way of speaking, fell down a well. She fell down the well of, of a broken heart and the well of fears about her future and the well of where is God. And it's a 40-foot well, and it's awful, and it's scary, and, it's, and it's, it's damp and dark, and she's overwhelmed, and she's in a really bad place. And you love your daughter. I know how much you love your daughter. So you come along and you see your daughter in this well and you, you look down at your daughter and you care about her. But from where you are, the sun is shining and, you know, Alexa's playing, you know, Hillsong over here and that's great. But from where she is in a different position, you're kind of in a better place. And so you look down at your daughter and you, in effect, you say, honey, you're smart and you're got great character and you're resilient come on up like bob barker in the old uh, days used to say come on up and she ignores you she goes well, what am i supposed to do i said well 
let me tell you what your husband do. He's a very good friend of mine. I said, and I know him very well. She, I said, he feels the way toward his daughter, y'all's daughter, that you do. And when he sees her in the well, he does something different. He looks in the well and he sees in her pain and she's overwhelmed. He goes to the edge of the well and he jumps in the well and he picks up your daughter and he holds her and he says, I've got you. And it's really scary and it's overwhelming here and it's dark and it's cold and I've got you. I've got you and I'll be here with you until we're ready to come out of this. And that's why she listens to him and not to you. Now, my friend is no fool. She's a very, very, very loving person. She said, you're telling me to jump in the well. And I said, I am. You're a leader. You're a mom. Your daughter needs it. She said, it's so hard for me. I want to encourage and build up and give advice. I said, there's a place for all that. We need all that. But you've got your sequence reversed. It's kind of like a upside down. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, if you go to John chapter 1, and in the Gospel of John, verse 14, it says that Jesus came to the world through two things, grace and truth. And in the Greek, it doesn't say truth and grace. The syntax, the order is significant there. It says grace and truth because grace is how you earn the right to tell the truth. Have you ever been truthed by somebody who didn't give you grace, even though they were right on about their feedback, but there was no grace? You felt judged. You felt beat up. You felt misunderstood. Now, I'm not talking to my friend here. I'm talking to us, you know, here now, all of us chickens. I felt awful when somebody gave me the truth and didn't give me the grace. Grace gives the right to say, I can listen to you. So you just got to turn your sequence around and give her the grace of jumping into the well with her, being present with her, attuning to her, uh, uh, identifying with her, validating her feelings, validating how she's doing, being present with her, comforting her, that gives you the right to give the truth. She goes, well, that's not natural for me. I said, I know this is a skill, but you got to learn it. So vacation ends, everybody goes their ways, and I checked in on them a few weeks later, like six weeks later, and the daughter goes, mom and I talk all the time. We're good. And I went to the mom, and mom said, I learned the skill. We're good. So now, how does that relate to us? Well, you can probably tell. Most of us right now, I, I, I do this talk a lot, and when I give the talk, Probably 90% of us in the audience are thinking, I've got to get better about getting into the well. I, I, I give advice too quick. I try to cheer up too much. i got to learn how to be attuned to other people and validate their feelings and comfort them and be present with them. And you do. But I want you to take that thought. It's a good thought. And I want to put you to put it into the parking lot in your brain for just a second. You can get to it later. Here's another thought that I want to put in your brain. And it's seven words. And this is seven words for you. Here's the seven. Who am I inviting to my well? Who am I inviting to my well? Who am I asking to come in because I'm overwhelmed? I'm upset. I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm not doing a good job. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm sad, whatever. Who am I inviting to my pain? Because we feel guilty about that. We're supposed to only go to God with that and just give to everybody else. And yet I just gave you five passages a few minutes ago that say, no, people are supposed to come into you, but you've got to invite and ask. That's my challenge. I want you to give it to others, but I want you to ask for it as well. That's the first quadrant of nutrients. The second one 
is to convey the good. Simply put, it just means to give words that dispense grace to one another. I love that passage, Proverbs chapter 16, 24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. These are the words of encouragement. These are the words of, I, I have hope for you. I respect you. I affirm all the good things you do. You see, there's the positivity we need. It's sort of like we're each other's Prozac. There's the presence in quadrant one. We just got to be in the well because people don't feel understood if there's nobody in the well with them. And now here's the give them good words, encouragement, hope, respect. I'll give you a story about that. Blew my mind. I was uh, in a company I owned many years ago. Um, uh, I was getting in the elevator. Our company, our organization was on the fourth floor. And so got in the elevator to go to lunch. And another person there that worked with us, Jim, he got in the elevator too. And he was one of our tech people, but he was also very good with relationships. He was, he was kind of that gifted with tech and gifted with people. And so how long does it take to go down an elevator? I don't know, 12 seconds. So we're going to lunch. He's going to his lunch. I'm going to mine. And I said, by the way, Jim, I just noticed how good you are with people. You're great with tech, but you're really gifted in how people come to you and how you understand them and they're drawn to you and uh, all that. Just you're good at that. I want to encourage you there. And he goes, oh, thanks. We go to lunch separately. Well, he left the company about six months after that. He got a great offer and we wished him well and it was good. So I saw it at a party three years after that. And I ran into him. I said, gosh, I haven't seen you forever. How are you doing? He says, oh, my gosh, I'm doing great. I got my, my counseling license. I went to school. My wife said, you know, we can do it. And I believe in your help. And so she was supportive. And the kids were supportive. And now I'm doing a, a counseling practice. I'm so happy. I feel like I'm in my spot. And I said, man, fantastic. Congratulations. He says, well, thank you for what you did. And I went, excuse me, I don't remember. He says, no, don't you remember? I said, sorry. He said, we were in the elevator and you told me I was gifted and it meant so much because you have the company. And I thought, I know that. And I went to my wife and we prayed about it and thank you for what you did. And I, I kind of came back then that the elevator talk, but it was a one-off guys. It was just something I threw. It was gracious words, but think about what it does to somebody. Somebody needs to give you gracious words and maybe you need to give somebody else gracious words. In other words, delivering Good, good things, providing good things. The third quadrant is providing reality. Sometimes we need not only just hope and encouragement and positivity, we also need reality from others. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, listen to advice and accept discipline. And in the end, you'll be counted among the wise. We need the Yodas in our life. And you need to be a Yoda to others, whatever your specialty is parenting or technology or art or or, or 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 growth or spiritual direction or helps or whatever. We're each other's Yodas. Uh, I was uh, working with a couple and their 12-year-old son, he was out of control, just out of control, and um, just acting out and bad attitude and all this. And I could tell the parents weren't aligned on how it happens. So I said, how do y'all handle this? Because I'd seen the boy, I knew, I knew his, his tendencies, and he wasn't in the office. And so, and, and so the mom said, well, I'm trying to be balanced with boundaries and love and love and boundaries. And I said, yeah, I agree with all that. And the dad says, he just needs to toe the line. He needs to understand about respect for authority. He needs to get there. He needs to be, and I could feel the anger in him. And I said, you guys are on the same page. He says, no, no, she's kind of soft on him. And I watched her with him, her earlier, watched the mom with the son earlier. She wasn't soft. She was balanced with grace and truth. 
And I finally said to him, I, I got to side with her. I'm sorry. You're, it feels like to me that you're way too rigid and you're harsh. And I said, let me get to know you a little bit. Long story short, at the background of this was a, was a father that this man had who was very harsh with him and very demanding and moved the goalposts. Like if he made a B, why didn't you get an A? If he made an A, why didn't you get an A plus? If you've ever had a goalpost relationship where you're never enough, he was never enough. And he took that and he began parenting his son that way. And when I told him there's a connection between how your dad hurt you and the way you're, de- you're dealing with your son, he broke down in tears. And he said, I am. I'm doing what my dad did to me. I never put it together. And he turns to his wife and he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And they had this moment where they just hugged each other. And he said, I'm going to be balanced like you are. And they're doing fine. The kid's fine. They're fine. Well, it was just one of those Yoda moments where I was able to see there's a generational problem here. We need to be those Yodas for each other. You don't have to be a counselor. You can just have insight for somebody else and say, I can help you with this. I care about you. And you probably need people in your life that give you ideas, wisdom, and feedback to help you. And then the last quadrant, calling to action. That's pushing someone to a practical step because in the end, it's about behavior. All the insight and help in the world, unless it changes our behavior, it kind of like just becomes a great idea. We want to be better people. We want to be changed people. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And these are the, 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 the relational nutrients like, like uh, having a plan for someone, coming up with a developmental move. Uh, when I work with leaders, we help them find developmental paths for their top executives. Um, a, a strategy. Um, next steps. It's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's your homework assignment? What's your action step? And that's how things get moving with all the presence that we need and all of the emotional positivity we need and all the wisdom we need. Now we go to action. Um, I was working with a couple. I do a lot of, I was working actually with an entire family. I do a lot of coaching with families as well as organizations. And um, I talked to a young man in his uh, late 20s, early 30s. And I said, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm doing really well as 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 a, a husband. My wife says I'm a good guy. Well, that's good. And my kids are doing well. Um, but I'm not doing good for me. I'm gaining weight and I'm kind of busy all the time and I'm kind of tired. And I said, yeah, you got a problem in self-care. All, all leaders have a problem with self-care. And he said, yeah, I just I would like to just sort of have a little more me time. It's not selfishness. It's about like filling up your tank. And I said, are you good at it? He said, no, I feel guilty when I do it, so I'll blow it off, and I either take care of my wife or I take care of my church members that I'm working with or I take care of my kids. I said, so you need some you time, so you need what? What would be nice? He says, gosh, just to take a walk, be by myself, play my music. And I said, okay, I'm going to be your nice little kind of like reminder. I'll be your, 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 your text reminder. I think like two times a week for a month, I'm just going to text you and say, are you taking care of you? And he said, that's, oh, I don't want you to go to that trouble. I said, no, I think I need to have some skin in the game. And so I will do that if it helps. He goes, okay. So every two weeks, I didn't do a mean coaching thing like, you know, get off your, you know, end and do things. I was just like, hey, just thinking about you. Hope you're taking care of you and got that daily you time today. And after a month, he goes, I'm doing it. Thank you. I just need those reminders. And I realized I'm a nice guy and it makes me a better husband. It makes me a better executive. It makes me a better parent. Just to have that time because I feel better. Thank you. It was just a little action step, but it made all the difference in the world. 
My point is steps are important. Well, those are the four quadrants. And those are how we grow each other up, not just vertically with the Lord, but also horizontally, the Bible teaches and the science teaches with each other. What's your next step? Here's a couple of ideas. Which nutrients can you request from a safe person this week? Who do you got in your life that you can say, you know, I don't ask very well and I've got a well. I've got a well with a a parenting issue. I've got a kid who's not doing well. I'm I'm scared about my job or my marriage is struggling or my self-care or whatever. Who can you go to and say, I just, I don't need advice right now. I just need you to be here and be supportive. Sometimes you have to train people like I did not to give 14 pieces of advice, but just to say, tell me more how it feels. It sounds hard. I'm your friend. I want to know more. It sounds overwhelming. Just stay present. And the second one is, which nutrients can you provide for another person this week? People need it just like you need it. So my prayer and my hope is that you will see that we all need a vigorous vertical life with God, but we deeply also need to be able to give and receive nutrients with each other. I hope that's going to be your path. It works and it's effective. So God bless you.